Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Last week, Resurrection Sunday was a great Sunday. And he said, it feels like a month ago. And that can happen. We're, we're riding a wave and then suddenly it's, it, it, it comes crashing down. And I want to speak to that a little bit this morning. And I want you to imagine yourself. Imagine if you were one of the 12 closest companions of Jesus. The 12 that he chose to be his closest inner circle, if you will, and you were friends with him for years. You walked with him and you talked with him and you and your 11 friends heard his teaching and you were there as this small gatherings grew into enormous crowds and the notoriety of Jesus and his ministry and all the things that he was doing began to spread. You witnessed these miracles and you, you were amazed by them. And now he's gone to the cross. And over the past month, we're about a month post-resurrection, post-cross. Your emotions have been on a roller coaster. Your head is spinning. Just a month ago, your leader, the man you've been following for years, he entered Jerusalem on this, on this huge wave of populism and adoration. He was welcomed as a king. You witnessed that. You were a part of that. Maybe you were the one that went and got him the, uh, the colt that he rode in on. Or you took off your cloak and you threw it on the ground and you got some palm leaves. And then several days later, one of your very own friends, one of the men that you walked with for years, you lived your life with him. You trusted him. He turned. He turned on your leader. He turned on Jesus. He betrayed him. Jesus was arrested. He went through this uh, kangaroo court proceedings. He was tortured. He was killed. You saw him live out what we called the way of the cross. He was condemned. He carried his cross. He was nailed to the cross. And then when he died, there was an earthquake. Your world's literally been rattled. It's literally been shaken. What did all this mean the past three years? Now, meanwhile, the one who betrayed Jesus, he's gone off and killed himself. Now, remember, this was your friend. Everything seems to be falling apart. But then a few days later, some women come to you and they tell you, hey, the tomb where they put Jesus is empty. And even more incredible, they say to you, we have seen him. We've seen him alive. Now that news takes the cake, doesn't it? That's completely unbelievable. And you're not buying it. You get holed up in this room in Jerusalem with your friends, and then without warning, without any warning at all, poof, Jesus appears to you. There he is. He's standing with you and your friends. 
Now, wouldn't your heart just about stop? You're about to run out of the room or faint, and you hear these words, peace be with you. Of course, those, they thought they saw a ghost. And then you watched him eat. You were touching him to make sure he was real. It was amazing. And then poof, he was gone. And for the next weeks, few weeks, two, three weeks, Jesus is literally popping in. There he is again. And he's just standing there, and it takes your breath away every time. Could you please stop doing that? Maybe you could warn us a little bit. And then he's gone again. You and your friends, you need a little, you need a little rest from the city. So you go off to the lake. You go off to what's called the Sea of Galilee, to the north of the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus even shows up there. He has a fish fry with you. He helps you catch a bunch of fish. He's sitting on the beach waiting for you. Now, after all this, after all these experiences, the ups, the downs, where is your head? Where is your heart? Where is your faith? Has your faith firmed up? Jesus has been teaching you when he just popped in. Those few times he just popped in on you, he took some time to talk to you and he illuminated his word in the scriptures and he reminded you. He reminded you of what has been told about him. He said, hey, remember what it said. The Messiah will suffer and he will die, but he will rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness will be preached in his name to all nations. And you are witnessing these things. Well, is it, is it all making sense to you? Is it all adding up? Well, then he appears again. You're still in Galilee. Now I want to read the account. It's Matthew chapter 28. It's the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to read verses 16 to 20. This event that happened over after Jesus had re resurrected some weeks later. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Verse 17 there said, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now that is a very intriguing and interesting line to me. I read it and I stop. It causes me to stop. And it tells me something. One thing that it tells me is that these writings, this thing that we call the Bible, it's true. The, the scriptures are authentic. 
Who would make this stuff up? Really? If you were looking to write a false narrative, if you were looking to make up a story, would you paint yourself as so conflicted? They worshiped and they doubted. That's not really the best catchphrase, is it? I mean, don't make, don't make that your slogan. Don't make that the, uh, the, the tagline of your cause. You probably shouldn't be printing your T-shirts right about now. You know, cancel the order on the ball caps. They worshiped and doubted. Forget the bumper stickers. I don't think really that's going to win anybody over. Do you? Maybe they worshiped and they were victorious. They worshiped and they were overcomers. But they worshiped and they doubted? Seriously, who would make that up? The, the, the Gospels document real things, real occurrence, real history. And they portray the reality of human nature. You know, I've read some pretty harsh judgment of these followers of Jesus who worshiped and doubted. And it would go sort of like this. Well, they saw all the miracles. They saw all the miracles. They saw water turned into wine. They saw the feeding of 5,000. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead. Not to mention that woman from Nain who lost her only son. Jesus brought him back to life too, and they were right there. The lame walked. The blind received their sight. And then the ultimate, the, the greatest miracle of all, he rose from the dead. His tomb was empty. He walked out of it. Then he walked with them again, and they touched him, and they ate with him. How could they doubt? How could they doubt? Well, I would never doubt. You know what? It's pretty easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, isn't it? Now, again, I say put yourself in their shoes. Think about all we've talked about, all that they went through, and ask, why would they doubt? Why would they doubt? They're human. They're human. Again, think of all the emotions and the experiences they just went through. And they're trying to process all of this. They are human. Yeah, they've witnessed all sorts of power, supernatural power displayed by Jesus. But they also saw the brutality of the Roman Empire that came with a cross. And they nailed him to the cross. They, they saw the... Uh, the harshness and the duplicity of the Jewish leaders who condemned Jesus and dragged him off to the Romans. They saw this man that was with them for years, a guy they thought was their friend, and he turned out to be a traitor. And Matthew's gospel gives us a little reminder of that, doesn't he? He said the 11. They're no longer the 12. They were called the 12, the 12, the 12. Now we read the 11. It's a reminder, one of them is gone. One of their very own was a defector and a traitor, and he's killed himself. That these 11 might have a question or a doubt, it doesn't seem that implausible, does it? And now they see Jesus. They see him, and they're thrilled, and they begin to worship him. Yet internally, yet internally, some of them 
are wondering. And I suppose they might be wondering, is this really happening? Can it last? Is it true? Will someone else betray us? Will a mob show up and carry us away? And they doubt. They legitimately doubt. And that doubt does not seem at all that far-fetched. It's actually very human. Now, what can this incident illustrate to us, to, to help us and to encourage us? It shows us that doubt doesn't always come in when we're in the thick of a trial and a tribulation and life is completely falling apart. Doubt can come after a win. Uncertainty might arise even after we have won a victory. Then our hearts and our minds begin to wonder, is it, is it real? Can it last? How long will it be? And that uncertainty can shake us. Matthew, when he described this incident of worship and then uncertainty, he used a very strong Greek word that translates to our word doubt. And this particular word is interesting. It's only used two times in the New Testament. The New Testament, written in Greek, we see in English the word doubt many times, but only these two times is this one particular Greek word used, and it translates to doubt, and it's, it's, it's a very powerful word. There are other synonyms that Matthew could have chosen, but in these two instances in his gospel, he used this particular word. It occurs one other time, so we read it in Matthew 28. I want to share with you uh, in Matthew 14, this one other time. And I'm not going to walk through the entire narrative, but it's when Peter walked on water, stepped out of a boat, and he walked on water, and then he started to sink. And I want to share with you just two lines there, Matthew 14, verse 30 and 31. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Same Greek word, it's called distadzo. And it fits perfect here. It fits perfect here in Matthew 14. It's, it's a strong word that means to hesitate, to waver, to, to vacillate. And the only other time that Matthew chose to use this word for hesitation and wavering is when he wrote, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And this doubt here in, at the end of his gospel is on par with being surrounded by wind and waves and storm. This is the kind of doubt or uncertainty that's accompanied by panic, by terror, by fear. That's, the way, that's where Peter was. Peter was in the thick of a storm. He was in the thick of a trial. He had stepped out of a boat and he was walking on water and then suddenly he saw the storm. He had this doubt that, that accompanies heart-melting fear and that's some powerful doubt. Some of the 11 were experiencing this kind of doubt in the presence 
of worshiping the resurrected Jesus. What do we do when we're not sure? The insurance might roll over us like it did to Peter when he felt the wind and he saw the waves and he heard the thunder and the wind of the storm. Or that unsureness might sweep in even in a high time, even as we approach Jesus, even as we come to worship him. We're human. We're human. And I am guessing someone in this room, probably many of us, understand those moments of hesitation. Mary Beth stood up here and talked about Elijah in the cave. Elijah had just won a great victory. Just to remind you of that, he had gone against false prophets, 400 of them, and he had won. He had run over 30 miles from Mount Carmel to the king's palace. And he did it quicker than the king's chariot. He ran a miraculous marathon. He had also prayed for rain. There had been a drought for three years, and it rained that day. It rained that day after three years. Elijah's riding a high victory. The queen says, I'm going to get you. Doubt, doubt overtakes him. He has just won some of the greatest victories ever. And the word of the queen, he runs. He's doubting. He runs to hide in the cave. We're human. I was reminded as we have been reading along and our chronological reading, if you've been following along and we put it in our bulletin every week, we've been in the Psalms. David, the king, is real. He, he expresses real humanity in his Psalms. Psalm number 77, it's full of questions. Will God ever favor us again? Has his unfailing love vanished? Has his promise failed? Has God forgotten mercy? These are all the questions of someone who has seen great victory, great power, and is doubting, asking these questions. How did the resurrected Jesus respond to those who wavered and doubted with even fear, even as they approached him to worship? His response is definitely instructive for us today, and it can be encouraging for us today. First of all, we don't read of a rebuke. He chided Peter a little bit when he sunk in the water. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? But yet he reached down and picked him up, didn't he? Now, as these 11 worshiped and Jesus knew their hearts, what did he do? He came closer. When in doubt, when in doubt, reach out to him, worship him. Jesus comes closer. The word says, then Jesus came to them. Draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. He came closer to them. 
when they worshiped in spite of their imperfections, regardless of their uncertainty, regardless of their doubt. They come with doubts, yet they were worshiping him. And Jesus drew closer. You don't have to be perfect. You do not have to be perfect for Jesus to come closer to you. You don't have to know the answer to every single question. In your imperfection, in your uncertainty, reach up to him, worship him, talk to him. Just say, help me. Jesus comes closer. And what did Jesus do when he came close? Did he ridicule these doubters? Did he demand an explanation? How could you? How could you? You saw the empty tomb. You've seen me walk around here. You put your hands right in my hands. You, you've touched the scar in, the, in, in my side. How could you doubt? No, we don't read any of that, do we? What do we read? He gave him an assignment. He sent them out. Jesus commissioned the doubters. You got questions. You don't know all the answers. That's okay. Get on the mission. Even if you don't know all the answers, when you might not have it all figured out, what is Jesus' response? Get on with the mission. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Baptize, teach, spread the word. You might get a question you don't know the answer to. Hey, that's all right. That's okay. You know what you can say? I don't know. That's a great answer. If you don't know, we're human. We're, we're human. We don't have all the answers. And we can't be expected to be perfect. I was talking with someone uh, earlier in the week, and they had a, a decision to make. It was a decision like many of us have to make. There was nothing at all sinful about it. It was along the lines of, do I take this path or do I take that path? It could have been a job, this job or that job. It could have been a school, this school or that school. It was a decision like that. And someone said, well, you didn't make the right decision. You're a fake Christian. And it was devastating. It was devastating. And it, and it hurt. And there was pain. And it caused questioning. What's Christianity all about? If I'm making a decision in my life, and then someone accuses me when I make my decision, though it's, uh, there's no sin involved, there's no Immorality environment. It's just, I'm going to go this direction. And someone says, Well, you're a fake Christian. Fear, insecurity, shame. What did I do wrong? Somebody who was in authority said this. But you know what this person said? Even though this, these questions and things were, were there, still kept telling people about Jesus, still kept on the mission. Still kept saying, well, I, I don't have it all figured out, but people would start asking me, and I'd say, well, you know, you should, you, should get into the, you should get into the Bible and read the scriptures because Jesus is true and he's real. And I thought, wow, even in, that, even in these times of serious questioning and hurt and pain where somebody has hurt you, kept on the mission, and that's what Jesus wants of us, to stay on the mission even though we might have some doubts, even in 
uh, the hurt and uh, when someone might even question your Christianity and what's it all about, stay on the mission. Yeah, we sometimes have fears and uh, insecurities. That's okay. Share what you know. Share what you know. Jesus, he is close. He said he has all authority. He's behind you. He sent you on the mission. He's got a mission for you. And finally, when in doubt, know that Jesus is always with you. They worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came closer. He said, I have a mission for you. And he concluded with the best part. Surely I am with you always. Now, isn't always a great word? Always is an unconditional word. Always is an absolute word. There's no gap in always. It's not some of the time. It's not part time. It's not most of the time. Always is all of the time. He said to the doubters, I am with you always. All times, invariably. And isn't it encouraging that Jesus said this to imperfect men who were unsure, who were having doubts, doubts that may have been rooted in real fear, real anxiety, I'm with you always. You are not alone. I, I came across an article, and it was titled, 12 Ways to Overcome Self-Doubt. It was all about just self-help. And it said, step one, step one of these 12 steps of getting yourself out of self-doubt, it said, no, you're not alone. Everyone has doubts. You know what I say? I say better yet, no, you're not alone. The one who said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, he says, I'm with you. Yeah, you're not alone because he is with you always. So if you have some uncertainty this morning, you got a doubt, you got a question, yeah, you're in good company. But worship Jesus. Reach out to him. He'll come closer. Keep on the mission. You don't need to wait until you've got it all figured out. Jesus, is, he doesn't have a test that you got to pass and get, you know, an A plus on. Oh, yeah, you know everything now. You, no, get on the mission. Keep on the mission. And be assured, be assured, you are not alone. Let's, let's pray. If there's anyone in here that maybe, you know, we had a great week and maybe you did crash. Maybe you did come down. Maybe you had a great win and something's coming in to cause you to question. Maybe you're questioning even, what is this all about? What is this Jesus all about? I don't understand it. Well, he gave his life as a ransom, a payment for sin, a crime against God. That required, it required a penalty, as every crime does. And the penalty was life for life because the crime of sin brought death into the world. And the one who had given his life, who was perfect, the sinless one, God said, it's done, it's paid in full. And you can receive it today. 
And if you've already have received it, but you're, you have these questions, these uncertainties, let's go to God. Let's go to God, get closer to him, and know he's with us. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just pray, if there's anyone in this uh, sanctuary right now, Lord, that's never even come to know you, and is thinking, well, maybe this could be. Maybe it's real. These, these, these guys did write about their, their real situations. They did not hide the fact that they didn't have it figured all out, and they, they doubted. And God, if it's real and if Jesus is real, help me. God, help me. I want to turn to you, and I, I ask for your help. I ask for your guidance. I want to turn from my life that has caused me uh, to, to be off and away from you. And I want to get closer to you, the one who created the world, the one who has eternity in mind and in hand. And I want to just turn to you. You can ask him that and pray that. Lord, meet anyone in here who's praying that. And God, for anyone else who has known you maybe for a short time or for years and years and may have some struggles, some doubts, some questions, God, we just reach out to you. Lord, we invite your presence. God, we worship you. We trust you. We call on you as the Lord and Savior. Jesus, 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 come close to us and help us. And Lord, we trust you. We trust that we're not alone. Carry us, Lord. Be with us. Jesus, walk with us. Be, be behind us, in front of us. Wrap your arms around us. Carry us, God, in our imperfections, in our insecurities, in our uncertainty, in our doubt. God, we want to put on that great, strong face in front of people, but behind the scenes, we have fears, we have anxieties, we have questions. Help us. Jesus, help us. Carry us. And we thank you. You're a good God, and we thank you, and we praise you for all that you do. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.